0: Lead Time is a weekly dose of leadership insights and interviews from Tim Allman and Jake Bessling. Lead Time is for any leader living in a busy world looking to be inspired, equipped, and empowered to lead others to their fullest potential. This is Lead Time.
1: Today we have the joy of chatting with Shara Markwell. This is Jake Bessling along with Tim Allman. What up? And it is so exciting to have men and women on this podcast. And so, um, Shara, welcome.
2: Hey, thank you for having me. This is awesome.
1: Yeah, it's so awesome to hear a little bit of your story and to share that with our listeners. Um, you are the grand great sorry, the granddaughter of Reverend James and Vera Dingman. Correct. Known to Minion the Valley as Uncle Jim and Aunt Vera. And they way back when opened up their home to care for the homeless children in Mesa, Phoenix, Arizona, and I can't wait to hear more of your story about your involvement now with this great organization that cares for so many Sunshine Acres. Uh, You're a a woman in ministry, a woman working with a nonprofit, and living in your sweet spot, and so thanks for sharing with our listeners today, but tell us more. Let's start with yourself, you know, because every great leader has their own story, and they lead from their passions and giftedness, and so Let's start, though, with your story, more about your life. Tell us about yourself.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, I am the great-granddaughter of Jim and Vera. Um, They did start Sunshine Acres back in 1954. They saw the need and the hurt of children in the foster system back in the 30s, 40s. And so they really wanted to help children. They didn't know how they were going to do, but they just prayed for 17 years and overnight— Um, 125 acres out in Northeast Mesa had dropped down 50% down to $29,500, and they went out there. They knew that was Sunshine Acres. There was three abandoned buildings on property, and that day they knew they were not going to ask for anything. So they do not take any state or federal funding. We do not solicit for funding. Um, They knew that as long as they were providing for the children, God would provide for them. So it's pretty amazing that um, I'm blessed to be a part of that family or this family of, you know, the Dingmans. Um, Growing up, I went to church every Sunday out there. I'm as little as on campus. We have a non-denominational church on property. And I remember standing in the pews listening to my grandmother talking Mm. and just always having a heart and being out there. I believe I never fully grasped the concept until... I had my own children. I, you know, felt the mission calling and the need. But how much you love your children—that thing—I that was the my aha moment of my great grandparents. Just the unconditional love that they had for those hurting children. Now I, pause
1: right there. Is your mom a part of this as well? My
2: mother and my grandmother. So wow. my my great grandparents' daughter Carol is our president, and she's still alive. She comes into um, work every day, and she writes hundreds of letters, just like her mother. To um many have probably already received a letter from her for their donations. So. What does it
1: mean to you? I mean that's a, a great example of generational um, investment in one passion that you can offer yourself and then carry that on to the next generation. So what does it mean that uh, most of the the people in your family are a part of this?
2: Absolutely. You know, I I feel it's in us, right? I I believe it is a gift, too. I mean, we have tons of family, and not everybody's called to fully give their mission to Sunshine Acres. Um, I actually was a flight attendant for 15 years, and on my days off, I would come and help. And for several years, my grandmother would say, hey, you need to be out here full time. And I would make excuses, you know, of, no, I have a family to take care of. I, you know, really need this. And actually, after 15 years of flying, my last year of flying, I started fearing flying which was pretty yeah I knew that was God it was my rebellious ways right of saying no God this is you know I'm doing what I need to do and this isn't you know what you're doing and I was after
1: already being in the air for so long correct 15 man, years God can move you along when he wants to oh, in different incredible ways and so Absolutely. right out of that what role did you have
2: so you coming know coming back
0: in formally?
2: um I right when I came in it was just the need, whatever the need was, I was there to help. So it wasn't, I really had a position. I mean, I, I went in and helped with being a community manager that was a supervisor over the house parents. I helped in our donation center in our dining hall. Um, I was the program administrator. And so my I think as the need was occurring and going on, that was where what my fit and my calling was. Actually, my brother is the executive director at Sunshine Acres. And so he's in all over the financial aspect of it. And that is not where my mind is. Mine's more <laughs> in like social work and psychology. And so I've What's cool is I get to be part of the program and help oversee. We have an amazing program director. And so um, I'm the corporate program manager where I do go out into the community and I do speaking engagements. Um, I do a lot of the special events. I'm involved in our dining hall. I oversee that. I oversee our chapel service, our 4-H program. So So
0: you really, leader, let's pause right there. Y- you have followed your passion And it's to serve and to give your life away. And you didn't want to, and it's not a waste necessarily, but you didn't want to spend any more time following something that wasn't your passion. So you stepped out of your previous vocation and simply went into servant leadership prior to making any sort of money or having a formal call or position. And then over time, through faithful service, you evolved into the program director, the leader that you are today. I mean, that's that's marvelous. Don't waste time, leader on something that Jesus is, you're just like, I'm punching the clock day in and day out. Pursue your passion. And sometimes it means making a a mid-career adjustment so that you can pursue that passion. That's beautiful.
2: It definitely, you know, it was a scary sacrifice or fear in the sense of how am I gonna be able to take care of my children and my family and and have, you know, my husband is a facilities director out there and you know, it's that whole of the human side saying both of our eggs are in one basket. And you know, the faith of Sunshine Acres, I've always had that faith, but it was my own faith, right? That I struggled with and what that looked like.
0: So you work with your husband.
2: I do. Do Who
0: who reports to who?
2: (laughs) Well, thankfully, we have different things. <laughs>
0: you're totally different. Yes, he reports to you. I mean, it's all, well, so, all the time. All the time. Of right. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> Absolutely. cool. Absolutely. That's cool. So, you're a passionate leader, Shara. Uh, tell us how you motivate others at Sunshine Acres to be uh, the best leaders that they can be in their respective environments and to fulfill their fullest potential.
2: Absolutely. You know, I think the biggest thing is, um a leader, the importance is recognizing your team and recognizing, um, your team's qualities and the gifts that they have been given to be a part of our community. And so, you know, it's really listening and collaborating with your team and helping them set goals and helping them achieve those goals. So you always need to look at, um, you know, what are their needs? What, what achievements are they doing? What things are they struggling with? And you have to walk beside them. You know, it's so important as a leader to not overstep your boundaries and to intimidate Um, I feel that in order for Sunshine Acres to be the best it can of what God has intended it to be, I have to be the one that's behind and guiding and walking beside people and just making them be at their full potential. That's
0: huge. So you turn the leadership paradigm. It's not... Executive director at the top, if you're serving like Jesus, Philippians chapter 2, you're taking the low place. Or at least, as I hear you saying, right beside them. That, that's your place to encourage and love and support. And then in the Jim Collins analogy, put them in the right seats on the bus.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, as family too, you know, people working for a family business, right, or a family mission. Um, I don't want any intimidation there. Mm-hmm. I, I want them to know that I need them. I need them to fulfill this mission and this calling. And so how can I help and guide them? And that's in the sense of me as a leader. I'm so blessed, again, for my brother to be part, and he's the executive director, and I have an amazing program director, and then my grandmother, and, and I actually have an aunt that's out there. and But we have others in the team that are not family that are hugely important that we could not continue on what we're doing and continue the legacy of what my great-grandparents started without them
0: you are our first female leader on lead time first of many Uh, but want to pause here and take a little shift you're in an executive leadership role at sunshine acres doing a marvelous job uh how do you maintain that that sense of middle and i've been blessed to walk alongside a number of gifted female leaders and the middle is not going to kind of a place of power and kind of positioning yourself to make up for maybe being in a male-dominated environment as a female leader. And then in the other extreme, just kind of getting walked, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That never works at home, by the way, right? You never take that posture. <laughs> but that, that middle place of confidence, courageous leadership, and yet remarkable humility and softness while recognizing how God has made you as, as a woman. It's different than how God made men, recognizing those gender differences as well. So, so talk to us about how you maintain that middle as a female leader.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, first and foremost, I think we have to look within ourselves and our own insecurities, right, and our own biases and historical biases you're looking at, too. So I, I have to look within myself and say, I know who I am. And when I am with somebody, I have to not create what my negative Hmm. feelings are within myself or my own biases, because I do believe that our own biases negatively affect us. Right. And so when I am in a conversation and if it is with the opposite sex, I have to make sure, you know, that. That we're both in it. We're not here to harm each other. We're actually here to fulfill the need. of Compliment. Compliment. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's important to know. And important to know of what our roles are and not feel threatened by that. So it's a huge thing of just being knowing who I am and knowing that I am here and I have a purpose. And I, I will not fulfill the purpose that God has intended for me to do if I create those humanly biases within me to negatively affect others.
1: Well, it's great to have you right here in the room with us learning from you mm-hmm. um, and especially about your passions to help those uh, boys and girls that have been through traumatic experiences. Kind of give us the big picture on how many kids have gone through Sunshine Acres and experience this this great love of God, um, and then we head into kind of a conversation about the trauma that they've experienced. So kind of how many kids have been affected by Sunshine Acres?
2: Absolutely. We've had since 1954 over 2,000 children wow. that have lived at Sunshine Acres. We are a long-term placement. Um, we It's a minimum one year, but average child can live with us. Our average child that does live with us is three to five years, but we've okay. had children live with us 13-plus years because mm. we will send them to college. Um, So that is a really cool thing that we don't age them out like the system. I mean, they're our family and we're their family. And so we want them to know that no matter what, we would not throw our own children out on the street at 18 years old. Right. I mean, we're continuing to guide them and loving them. To become successful adults, and so it's fascinating.
0: Neither of us said anything at eighteen. I mean, we were thinking about that, but no, right? No, right? Around. Exactly. No, we would not throw them out in the we street. Would we would not throw to them respond out. to that. No,
2: absolutely. So that's the importance of who we are, and you know, we've seen it throughout the years. i mean, actually yesterday at church. One of um, she came to us when she, I believe, was nine. And your church
0: is at Sunshine Acres. Correct. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, right I'm on cool. property. They came back.
2: Um, she came back yesterday, and she had a two-year-old, and Whoa. she she thought there was one, um, her house parents were still there after 14 years, but no, everything else has changed, but just the thought of being on property, we're her family, and that was really cool, and that's why I think as family, too, of being there, I I want them to come back and say, okay, yes, there may be others that have served and have left, but we're always here, this is your home, so yeah. it was really neat to see her She's yesterday. coming home,
1: and Wants to even introduce that to her own child.
2: Absolutely. This
1: is part of your home. Then your experience to where mom came from. Um, A lot of the kids that come to you then have faced things that I could only imagine um, that I've never had to go through before. What are some of those traumatic experiences that they've gone through? And then they get to you guys. And I'm sure that's a, a really uphill battle as these foster care parents Mm. are taking them into their home. What are some of those traumatic experiences?
2: Absolutely. So Most of our kids that come to us are coming to us due to homelessness. Parents are incarcerated. Parents have substance abuse going on. Family members have custody of their grandkids or their nieces and nephews and for various reasons can't take care of them. Unfortunately, we do get failed adoptions. Um, You know, the sad thing with the failed adoptions is is they've been in the system, right, and they've gone to several foster homes. They're adopted and now for different reasons, their foster family or their adopted families can't take care of them. Um, the hurt is there, the trauma is there. Whether it's abuse, neglect, right? If they've been born a drug baby, um, historical trauma. Um, so definitely, when they come to us, they are broken and battered. And you know, you think even as give, being given up again, that's a traumatic experience within that. You know, that moment. So. The biggest thing with us is we want to create a loving, unconditional environment that has, is faith-based, right? Has a positive community, a positive culture, a positive family, and create that stable environment so that they're able to heal.
0: Yeah. How do you maintain relational balance rather than, because we talk as pastors about this, and anybody who cares for people, especially who walk through traumatic experiences, you, you know this, but we say not being God, but yet hurting with those who hurt, weeping with those who weep, rejoicing with those who rejoice. So how do you maintain that? How do you go to work recognizing, man, uh, there's just been a lot of pain in these kids' lives? How do you maintain that oh. uh, relational balance?
2: Well, you know, um Sunshine Acres falls under Colossians, I believe, Colossians 3:12, and you know, it's it's um, you know, our dearly we need to clothe ourselves with what? Compassion, mm. kindness, yes. humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and ultimately love. So, When you're looking at a child and they're coming in and maybe they're on the ground throwing a fit or they're screaming or they're tearing something up out of anger and frustration, you know, we're we're not saying, why are they doing this? Right? Mm. We're saying what has happened in their life Mm -hmm. to make them react in this moment, which in turn gives us empathy Mm. and we want to walk with them. So, you know, it's definitely creating a relationship with them and just really being there. There's moments where you're not even gonna talk, you're just in that moment. With them, and you may have a child, and it's recognizing and being self aware. Where, say, that child is screaming and yelling, and they're walking, and you're walking with them, trying to talk to them, and they tell you to be quiet, mm. but they're not telling you to not stop walking with them. So, you're you now turn around and stop talking, but yet. That's a safe thing for them for you to walk next to them and beside them. And then when they look at you, you start giving them like a soft smile, and then you recognize, okay, that's the relationship, that's the connection you're making. And so that's how we try to, you know, work and live is really Colossians three, twelve through seventeen is really what the verse that we live by here at Sunshine Acres. That is the
0: Jesus move from impatience to relational empathy. And what I heard you say. Was it, leader, is a move from why, and why often turns to me, why is it, uh, it's all about me, to what happened. What happened. The move from why to what. It's Absolutely. Powerful.
2: Even within your own job or your own work, when you have that leadership role in your employees, and they're, they're reacting a certain way in that moment with you, you know, it's having that empathet- empathetic moment of going, okay, wow, what has happened for them to react at that moment? With you, so it takes it takes it away from you and stepping back of the calmness yes. of to not react back to them and to be able to later on then turn around and then you both can walk through that moment together.
0: This image is powerful. A lot of times for leaders we get on blinders, right? And I think what empathy does is it takes off the blinders. I can move my head around and see the environment, recognize complexity, and uh, yearn for Jesus to do powerful powerful things. Uh, Absolutely, it's good. It's good.
1: Yeah. For a lot of leaders, I mean, we live in a world um, where as we lead, we can get saturated in the idea that it's a quick fix. Mm. And uh, you had just shared with Tim and myself a little bit about some disciplines you have in your own life Mm. uh, toward against just the quick fixes. And so in your ministry, it's the long view. You're leading other leaders that are caring for these kids and saying, yeah, every moment when you're when you're calm and you're patient, it's going to add up to a long view of creating patience for those kids that they've never experienced in their life. And it might take a year, it might take ten years, but then you have kids that are growing up to be healthy adults that come back um, to be cared for and uh, have care- been cared for, and then they come back and say, "Thank you for creating this environment." What do you do in your home life? Um, maybe with social media, with caring for your family that really has um, been impacted. By that view, um, as you've worked with kids in the uh, foster care system,
2: absolutely. Um, so, in my home life, especially on my phone, I've taken social media off my what? phone. What? No, 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 no. Scary, right? <laughs> Way
1: to go. Tell us about <laughs> that. How do you?
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I have realized um, working with the type of children that I do work with and all the hurt, I dissociated myself when I came home. Mm. So, when my children came home. Um, when they were talking to me, I really wasn't connected with them. I was looking through my phone. I was scrolling through Facebook. And, um, you know, I always tell my kids to not be on their phones or iPads, right, during the week, but what am I doing? And um, my kids have recognized that within me and have made comments. And so I have to lead by example within my own home, and my kids need me, and I need to be present. So one of the things for me to be present is to not be part of social media. Um, or make it easy accessible.
0: And you have some professional goals, some learning goals that you're getting after. The social media would it's a straight up waste of time, man. You're just you're looking mm-hmm. at other people's life rather than living your own life. I and mean, you just get sucked into it. And it is addictive, crazy addictive. So what are some of your professional goals?
2: Absolutely. So I decided to um continue education. I feel it's important, you know, I preach it to my children all the time. I preach it to the kids at <laughs> Never Sunshine Acres the importance of never stop learning. Um, one of my favorite quotes is by Maya Angelou, do the best you can until you know better than when you know better, do better. Okay. So I, you know, I will never, I tell myself that is I will never sit and say, okay, I'm done, I'm done learning. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in the moment. I'm always going to strive to do the best I can and see how can I make things better. And so because I believe in education and the power of knowledge and the importance, I um, ended up just going back to school and I wanted to walk that walk with my kids. And so that was a big thing, too, with the whole social media aspect of it, is, is fill myself, fulfill myself with stuff that's actually going to help our community, right, in our world and not something that's just going to be useless.
1: There are so many leaders out there that they are the lid. John Maxwell talks about the law of the lid, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you've been under those leaders before. I know I have. Um, Not currently, though. Sorry. (laughs) No, 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 not currently, where you're just not sure. There's no progress. There's no room to grow because they're not pouring into you. Um, But what you're saying is that I had to go outside um, of myself, of course, to find a lot of different resources. You're a leader that's a learner. So leaders be leaders that are learners so that you can pour into other people. I would would imagine if Mm. we polled your team and the people that you're talking Mm. to and you're leading, they would say, yeah, the sky's the limit because why? I'm being poured into because this leader – um, is sharing things with me, learning with me, and continually um, learning about how to do ministry in a 21st century environment. So, Absolutely. so impactful. Um, you talk about um, trauma-informed care, and we kind of talked around it, but really let's, let's make sure we nail down what does trauma-informed care look like.
2: Absolutely. You know, again, trauma-informed care is looking at that child and being like, wow, what has happened in their life, you know, to make them react the way that they're reacting at this time. And it's really just being empathetic. It's um, listening to them. It's building relationships. It's building connections. You want to have a healthy connection between faith, community, culture, family, and what does that look like? And if you can create a healthy environment with those four, um, you can create a stable, loving environment for a child to actually now be able to learn, be able to heal themselves because they've lived in a world that's been just chaos. And so whether they are aroused all the time of reacting or they're dissociated self. And I think a lot of us could think of a child or somebody in our life that when you're talking to them or it's been a tough moment, maybe you can see them like in another world (laughs) In a sense, for a moment and not talking or someone who flies off the handle, Um, you know, there's something that has happened to create that. And how can we how can we heal so that we can actually have an open conversation and maybe be in a tougher conversation without having those type of reactions? So good.
0: So what is your favorite story of life transformation? Someone that came in just totally beaten down, abused and God worked in a mighty, mighty way. And maybe it may not be in a worldly way that's just like off the charts, but yeah, what what's your greatest story of life transformation?
2: Absolutely. So um, when I was a flight attendant, when I first started, there was a captain that asked me to tell him a story. And I tell everybody about Sunshine Acres. So I started talking about um, Sunshine Acres. And he told me that he didn't realize that the light in the desert was still there. Mm -hmm. When he was four years old, his um, mother had left him. And his father didn't know where to go. They had an older child, too. So his father dropped him off at Sunshine Acres. He remembers my great-grandparents. He remembers them singing to him, telling him that they love him. He was um, swinging on the swings with his best friend, Billy, and said, one day I'm going to become a pilot. Where a year later, he ended up leaving, and he had a really rough life. He ended up becoming homeless. He Hmm. lived in a garage at one point. He went off to the Navy. He became a pilot, and um, then he became a commercial pilot for Southwest. And his thing is that he says is, if it wasn't for Sunshine Acres, if it wasn't for your great-grandparents loving me and me filling that love— I would not be who I am today. And so it was really neat. Back in two thousand thirteen he ended up retiring and we took my grandmother to Sunshine or to Southwest Airlines for his final Um, flight. And, um, you know, every time he comes out, he just cries and Mm. he's just so thankful. But he remembers. And you think four years old, right? The impact. We don't know whether a child is going to be with us one day or several years. But if we can make an impact on them every single day and just pour that unconditional love and plant that seed in them, that's going to change their life. That's going to save them from not having an overdose. That's going to save them from death. And so, you know, that's the importance is, is that we always, anyone we meet, we have to just pour and plant that seed of the love of Christ through them so that they know that that somebody is there that loves them.
0: You ooze passion for people. I mean, that's something that is so evident. I mean, it just comes out of you. I love to see people changed and their potential brought out of them. And you can look at every person, even the most abused because of where you serve and say, man. The Holy Spirit lives within you. The one who created you is right inside of you. Mm. Man, I can't wait to see what God does in you. How how much do those words of hope and encouragement, it changes not just lives, but generations. And that's what you get to be a part of. It is powerful.
2: You have to break the generation. You know, that's the big thing. Homelessness is generational, right? Substance abuse is generational. And if that's all that child Mm -hmm. knows, what's going to happen? They're going to continue continue it on it on. on. But if we can break that cycle, we are breaking that historical trauma. (laughs) and that's huge and so that's what we're here to do we're here to change their lives and we're here we're here for God right we're here to do his work and the importance and these kids are amazing and they are so just filled with love and that's that's all they want is that unconditional love you know and so you have to really just be down in their level and connect them where you don't feel threatened or they don't feel threatened by you and so that is something that I really strive for at Sunshine Acres and work and I you know within my community and, and the um, employees of mine that they see that of that empathetic feeling so
1: i remember touring sunshine acres and you go through this hallway and you see picture after picture of people that have become adults just like this pilot you were talking Mm -hmm. about what are some other professions real fast that that we want to hear about for our listeners that these these uh, kids have grown up to become through the efforts of sunshine acres they got pilots
2: Absolutely. We have um, John Levis as I believe, he's a captain of, for the fire department here in Mesa. And he went on and he um, fostered several children and adopted 10, I believe it is. So he comes out every so often. I mean, we have currently right now, we have four kids that are in college. We have one in his fourth year at um, Grand Canyon University. Excellent. Um, his sister is in her second year and she's in nursing school. So we just had a child that came to us when he was nine years old. He graduated number three in his class, got a Fulbright scholarship to University of Chicago. And a year ago, June, he graduated from University of Chicago. Super. So we definitely, you know, have all walks of life. Now, we believe, you know, the importance is we've had kids that um, have been in prison, right, and as adults and stuff. But again, what goes back to it is is we believe there's success for the fact that when they call us, they say, if it wasn't for you. Yeah. And they still believe, you know, and that's the importance is, is that no matter what our life stressors are or what happens within our life, we can pick ourselves back up because we have God. Yeah.
0: Leader, if you're down at dumps right now, if your energy is low, go and serve at a place like Sunshine Acres, at a place like you're going to hear about Family Promise, um, at your local church, just show up to Jake or I and say, put me to work. There's so much to be done. Did you all if you are in the dumps? Use Sunshine the gifts God's given you to bless other people. couple questions just to close here. What a joy to have you. What books are you reading right now?
2: Well, actually, I just got finished with Castaway Kid mm. um, by Rob Mitchell. And I'm um, currently just started reading a leadership development through it's through school so that's my textbook (laughs) right now the importance of that and then of course i have a first grader actually no sorry he's a second grader let's start so we're reading a lot of a lot of books (laughs) right now yes
1: so as you talk about leadership development um what advice would you have for the young leader
2: You know, the importance is is never giving up, Um, definitely putting God first, especially if you're in college right now, you're at a university, Um, the importance of finding a Christian group that you can get in and um, just lead and serve, the importance of serving, once you start doing it, you want to continue, and um, just definitely every moment, even failures are a success that you can do, you can learn from that, so just don't give up and continue on with what your passion is.
1: Sharon sure, Markwell, it was a pleasure to interview you today. We have been so blessed by that. Our leader, or our, our listeners have as well, who are leaders. And uh, your passion for God, your family, and for generation upon generation of kids that didn't have any hope to now have hope is uh, so encouraging. And we have been um, really blessed by this. So God bless your work there at Sunshine Acres, and we're pumped on our next lead time episode to have Ted Taylor a part of Family Promise, which is a neighboring nonprofit, even to Sunshine Acres. And he's going to talk about the power of story as a leader, the power of story as you lead. Thanks for joining us on Lead Time, and we'll see you next episode.
0: Peace. You have been listening to Lead Time with Tim and Jake. Please subscribe at cglchurch.org backslash lead Thanks for listening. Tune in next Monday for another episode.